Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. We find answers to all your dog questions so you can get the most out of life with a dog. Welcome, everyone, to With a Dog podcast. I don't have to say that, do I? Because it's already there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Us starting this show every single time. Uh, every time. Every time. We don't know how to start it, everyone listening. So give us tips if you want or not. We'll just roll with it. It's fine. Yeah. We'll learn um, how to say hi to everyone. Um, but it's always awkward. And we always look at each other on the screen like, um, um. <laughs> What do you say? Well, to then people? it just sounds so fake when I'm just like, Issy, what's happening in your life? Even though you told me two seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we talked about it. Yeah. Um, so Carly, tell us about Albie, because this is legit something that we haven't spoken about in about 45 minutes. So <laughs> shoot. Albie's great. So last week I told everyone that I got a new dog. So we picked him up last week and his name was Jasper with the rescue. He didn't really seem to be too attached to Jasper or JJ or anything like that. And so our other dog's name is Lupin, which is Harry Potter themed. So we wanted another Harry Potter name, ideally. And obviously there are a ton to choose from. Weasley was a good suggestion given to Mm -hmm. us um, because he is kind of like an orange and white color. But I just didn't think that that would be as easy to yell. It doesn't roll off the tongue as easily because it's Weasley. like, Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> then you just end up like, you know, like weasel or wheezy or <laughs> Weezy's cute. Wheezy. Wheezy. <laughs> um, so we ended up going with Albus, but we call him Albie for short and that suits him very well. So I'm very happy with that. Oh, I think he heard me say his name. Well, don't wake up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so he's doing super well. We've been, um, just kind of letting him settle into the home and getting him onto a routine, uh, crate training him. He's already knows a few commands, like when we got him, which is good. We've been, been also kind of just making sure that we're not forcing him to do too much right at the beginning either. You know, like Lupin wants to come up and like sniff his bowl as he's eating. And we're kind of making sure that they get adjusted to each other and he gets adjusted to our family before we're too in his face. Um, Though he does really seem to want to be in our face. So he's he's very, very <laughs> attention-seeking and wants the love all the time, wants to give you kisses all the time, which is lovely, uh, but just quite different than Lupin. So yeah, he's transitioning into the home very Great. well, thankfully. And I'll report more when there is more. Good. And I'll post a picture sometime on our Instagram page of him so everyone can see him. And Yeah, he's so cute. So that is all about me. Otherwise, that's been taking up most of my time. Weather's been a bit shit this week. So I've been in kind of in a mood with that. How about you, Izzy? What's going on with your life? Um, not much. Well, the weather has been awful. And yesterday when I took Arthur for a walk, I was wearing gray leggings, like light gray, like what I'm wearing right now. Bad idea when it's pouring down rain. The front was like dark gray, but the back was light gray. And I was absolutely soaked on one side of my body. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. But <laughs> Your butt was like a shelf. It didn't, yeah. it didn't let the water yeah. hit the rest of your back legs. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, 
yeah, it was terrible. But that's just what you sign up for, isn't it? When you get a yeah. dog, sometimes you have to walk in the rain. Um, he peed in the bathroom the other night. Never done Arthur. that before. Yeah, never ever done that before. Why um, do you think? I don't know because I took him out right before we went to bed and we didn't go to bed at a different hour. Like his routine was the same. So I don't know, maybe he just drank too much. At first I was like, great, he has a UTI. What am I going to do with that? I have to take him to the ER because I'm not at work right now and I can't do all the tests. This is, this is the problem from like the dog mom perspective. If you've, if you work at a vet, or if you're familiar with like veterinary stuff, you just immediately will jump to these type of conclusions. Yep. Anytime Lupin is like, oh, he's like slightly limping. I'm like, oh my God, something's torn. And it's like, no, he, he just, his leg fell asleep as he was sleeping. <laughs> sleeping on it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't done it since. So I don't actually think he has a UTI anymore. Um, did you get mad at him or did you let it slide? Uh, I let it slide because... He's never done it before. I mean, he did. We did have a couple of issues when we first brought him home, but to be expected while he figured out the routine. But he's since he's figured it out, like he's never peed inside. And we've been in this new house for nine ish months and he hasn't peed in the house once. So there was clearly like something going on, whether it was he drank too much or maybe he was crying and I didn't wake up or my husband didn't wake up. So, um, there's just a lot of unknowns. So I would hate for him to like, feel like he did something wrong when maybe he didn't, maybe he was trying to wake us up and we didn't wake up. So, yeah. Did he, do you think there's a reason he went in the bathroom? I think he knows that that's where we pee. Yeah, I think yeah. he's like... Because he follows us in there all the time. Every time someone goes to the bathroom, he's like, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> you should definitely train him to pee in the toilet. Somehow. I wonder if I could. Yeah. Like I, I just don't know how... He's quite long. I don't know where he would put all of his feet. You need to get like a little platform around the yeah. toilet so he can start going in there. If I put a mm-hmm. stick in the toilet, I bet he would pee on it. Like a big a big stick and then a little platform next to the toilet seat. <laughs> that we do talk about that a little bit in this episode about potty training. It's not so much like what to do if your dog pees inside, but just potty training and stubbornness and stuff like that of different breeds. Yeah. Introducing Jessica, who um she has a couple of wiener dogs herself, doesn't she? Um yes. Two? She has two. She has two right now. Uh, she tells us all in the episode and everything. So we are interviewing Jessica of the blog, uh, You Did What With Your Wiener is the name of the blog. And it's all about breaking small dog stereotypes because she actually takes her small dogs or dachshunds, she takes them hiking with her. So this is also a great episode for right now because some of the state parks in Washington are starting to open up through the kind of like phasing out of the stay home orders and stuff. So I think this is a good, you know, if you're thinking about hiking with your dog, no matter the size, because obviously she has two very small dogs and she hikes with them. And she has been doing that with all of her dachshunds that she's ever had. So I think this was just such an interesting episode to talk about not only hiking with them, as small dogs and what small dogs are capable of as far as energy level and kind of endurance and athletic abilities, but then also the dachshund breed. So if you're thinking about getting a dachshund, you have a dachshund, 
She's a really great resource. She actually has two blogs. One is the You Did What With Your Wiener. And then another one talks a little bit more about the actual breed, dachshund breed. And she has a lot of info on there as well. So yeah, I think this is perfect timing. Anything else to add? Nothing more to add. Um, So introducing Jessica. Yay. To kick things off, if you could tell the listeners like who you are, your background, all that kind of stuff, all things dog. I do a lot of things dog, so um, try and keep it brief, I guess. But um, I started a blog. It'll be 10 years ago this November. And um, I, I was working while I started it. And then I had one dachshund that I inherited. I didn't plan on getting a dachshund, but I wanted a dog to hike with and I got a dachshund. So off we went and he really loved it. And but I thought he was kind of, you know, I didn't know any other dachshunds. So anyway, we adopted another dachshund um, back in 2010 and took her hiking like literally the day after we adopted her. And uh, she loved it. And that's the day exactly on the trail. I decided to start a blog and and um, so about three years in, I had some major life changes and I ended up leaving my job and trying to make it work full time. And now almost 10 years in, I, it is a couple of years ago, it started being my full-time, full-time living blogging. So, but I also have a dachshund club in Seattle. And so I blog about hiking and camping with my dachshunds and travel and just breed. I have two blogs now. So I'm um, just also general breed information about dachshunds that's great that you've been able to take something that you really care about and put that out to the community, which is awesome. Can you go into a little bit of detail about small dog stereotypes that you've come across while owning dachshunds? Well, I think there's some general ones and then some about dachshunds specifically, but the the biggest one and the reason I started a lot of this in my dog club in Seattle to help people get active and stuff is is that people equate the size of the dog with the, the amount of energy they have and the amount of exercise that they need. And I've even become more aware over the years that that is absolutely not true. People don't think of dachshunds as being active dogs, but they were bred to be hunters that run through the woods. So yeah. they're very energetic and, and they can cover a lot of ground. But most people typically think of like a Jack Russell Terrier when they think of small dogs that are active. Yeah. Um, and so that is a classic example of a small dog who's got a lot of energy. And, um, you know, any dog, if any person, I mean, you know, if you sit around on the couch all the time and, hey, binge watch Ozarks, I don't know. <laughs> and, but, but you, and don't go out and do anything and be active, then it's hard and you're not so interested. And so people think that like their dachshunds can't be active because A, they think they don't have the energy, which they do. And B, they're like, oh, I try and take my dachshund outside. Like we don't ever go outside to go for long walks. We tried the other day and he hates it. So I'm not going to do it. It's like, it's like people, you have to work up to it. And mm-hmm. a dog who's used to being sedentary is not going to jump at the chance to go out and be active right away. And so because of that idea that, um, Oh, well, he didn't seem to like it, but that's because they haven't had experience with it. And so people will just, oh, my dog doesn't need it. And, and in fact, a lot of behavioral problems with dogs, as dachshunds can be stubborn, people will tell yeah. you, but um, come from not being sufficiently exercised or stimulated. But on the other end of the spectrum, take a great day and people, that's one of the biggest dogs out there. And people think, 
oh, you know, they must have a lot of energy. They must be able to do a lot, but actually Great Danes can't hike real far. They just don't have the the bone structure for it yeah. and everything. And it's just not in them to be that active. I love what you said about a lot of behavioral problems can stem from them not having the right exercise. Because I think that's so true what you're saying also with the breed is that, you know, maybe with like an Australian shepherd or blue healer or something, people are like, oh, well, they're really active. So if they're acting up at home, it's probably because they're not getting enough exercise. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of people don't say that for dachshunds. It's just like, oh, no, that's just how they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, How have you practiced that in your daily life with your own dachshunds, with hiking and that kind of thing? Like, how have you broken those stereotypes? Well, so like I said, I wanted a bigger dog. I wanted a dog that could run with me and hike with me and everything. When I ended up with a dachshund, I inherited him from a roommate. Um, I was like, okay, I guess it's you. And I didn't realize that people didn't, because I saw his energy level and what he was capable of. And I didn't have this ingrained stereotype or idea about small dogs not being able to do that stuff. So I started taking him running. He used to run with me, you know, five miles and we'd go hiking all the time and stuff. Then when I got my second one, Gretel, when I adopted her, you know, we started hiking right away and we'd hike a lot. So Summit's the first one I got as a puppy. So I started from knowing that she's never been hiking before. So I actually trained Summit from a puppy, you know, they have to be a certain age to start to hike. So it wasn't until she was about a year that we did anything significant. You know, you just start out with neighborhood walks. You start out with that. Then once they can do that, you know, and you're varying it, you're going up and down, train, steep, flat, downhill, uphill, dirt. Then, then you can go to the trail and then you can do a couple miles. You start with that and then you kind of... Most training programs are kind of, there's two factors, there's distance and there's difficulty. So you just apply the same principles. You only increase one at a time and you just do it in small increments. So we'll go longer one day or one hike. The next hike we do is going to be a little shorter, but harder. And then the next one's going to be same hardness, longer length. Basically, you just start with small, easy hikes and you just increase the difficulty and the distance until... Until they can go as far as you think they can go. Dogs do have their limits. Yeah. And I think what is very interesting is that people forget when humans are training, you know, you might work out on a Thursday and then by Saturday, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sore. And dogs can get that too. Mm-hmm. So obviously like muscles all work generally in the same way. Um, so what kind of feedback do you look out for? with Gretel and Summit, like when, once you were doing those training hikes, like what were you looking out for to see if that was too much for them? Yeah. I, so it is hard with dogs because um, unlike people, they may or may not be sore the second or third day after like a person would. I'm going to assume yes, but that's kind of the, you know, the anthro. Anthropomorphic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Cause she can't tell me and dogs are good at hiding any discomfort. Um, I don't, The thing at home, I know if they've gone too far, is if they basically get home, flop down, and then stay there for two days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's too much. So I, um, you know, I, I would take a step back in training or just depending on the situation, just not ever go that far again. Like, but on the trail, um, the first thing I notice is, so Gretel always hikes out in front of me. I prefer that so I can see her. She's short. I don't want to step on her and stuff. But when she starts hiking beside me or behind me, then I know yeah. she's getting tired because she'll go, go, go in front the whole time. And then, of course, there's the more classic signs if she's 
she's panting a lot, then she's probably too hot. She might be getting tired. I check her a lot physically. I, uh, like with my hands and stuff, I'll, I'll feel her. I'm always checking her. Like if we're out in the cold, I'm, I'll stop and check and I'll reach under her jacket and make sure that her body core temperature is still really warm. You know, I'll check in between her pads periodically to make sure things aren't mm-hmm. stuck in there. Um, cause sometimes when she slows down, that's the problem. She's got stuff in, in her foot pads. And once I pick out the burr or the rock or whatever, she's, she's good to go. So that's the first check. I used to take fitness tests for work and they did, they did this, this kind of thing. They'd make you exercise for a bit. And then, you know, for like 15 seconds or, or, you know, whatever amount of time, and then you'd stop and they'd take your heart rate right when you stop. And then they'd take it a minute later and your heart rate should have gone down by a certain amount um, to that indicates your fitness. So it's, it's kind of similar for dogs. If, if they're, being really active, of course, their heart rate's up, but if you stop and rest for a bit and they're still panting and their heart rate's up and stuff, that's a sign there could be something yeah. going on. Like it could like be they're not recovering quick enough. Yeah. It, it is hard. You know yourself. And when you're out running or hiking or doing whatever and you reach your limit, you know it. And you just do what you need to do to get done. You're in charge of deciding where your dog's limit is. That's the other thing. A lot of people think oh, well, I'll just let my dog go until they're, until they've had enough, but you can't really do that because, because, because you got to get back <laughs> to, to where you came from. So you have to know their limits and get out there and be prepared. That's why it's kind of nice hiking with small dogs, be prepared that they could reach their limit before you get back to the car and you've got to carry them back or do something. And with a large dog, that's really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of being prepared, do you have any recommendations for people who want to get into hiking with their dog or start living more of that lifestyle, whether it's a small dog or a big dog? I know you kind of already talked about building up the training and the exercise kind of plan, but is there jackets or like, you know, supplements or food or water or like, how does all of that kind of fit into your hiking practice? Yeah. With, um, with smaller dogs, you know, in the cold jackets are important. There's, there are circumstances where you would need to, we've been lucky up to this point that we have not had to use dog boots because everyone thinks, Oh, I'm going to hike with my dogs. First thing I do is get a boots. Cause that's what you got to get for yourself. Everyone tries to sell you that dogs need boots. Actually, they don't need boots. Most of them. And, sh- and I'm not a fan of boots at all because it reduces their traction and it reduces their natural paw spread. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. great feet for, for hiking and doing stuff. You should let them use their own foot. So, but boots can be necessary. Um, the going kind of back to preparing and relating that to boots is that if your dog's not very active or you only walk on dirt trails and then you go out and you're hiking on a trail that has a lot of rocks, they can cut pads, get red spots and stuff. You need to toughen them up. So they have to at home. That's another good uh, reason for the daily walks. If you can do it on asphalt or concrete, it'll help toughen them up, give them some calluses and stuff. But so we don't go for dog boots, but I almost always bring a jacket. I always take a big, big pack. People have asked me, where are you going? You know, do you have such a big backpack? But I (laughs) want to be confident that if something happened and I got stuck out overnight, like if I got injured and I had to stay on the trail Mm -hmm. or something, or my dog got injured and had I had enough stuff for us to survive. And so to me, that means bringing a jacket all year round, even if it's 80 out, because it's not always 80 and dur- you know, during the night if something happened. But of course, a way thicker jacket in the winter, uh, by keeping their body extra warm, it um, 
they sweat through their paws and so it'll help keep their feet warm and keep melting the ice if you're hiking in the snow and stuff. But okay. um, regular things like water, anytime a dog is, is stressed, they'll not drink and sometimes not eat. And so they won't be drinking enough on the trail a lot of times. So I actually bring water and I flavor it with like uh, non-sodium chicken broth or powdered goat's milk or something. They're kind of yeah. spoiled. But yeah, it's important. I, I'd rather them be extra hydrated than not enough. So I bring a collapsible bowl. I bring the water for them. We bring treats. The other thing is, unless you know that your dog is reliable off-leash and specifically with dachshunds, I don't know that you could ever say they're 100% reliable off-leash because they're hounds and they're going to instinct can kick in and they can follow their nose. There's all kinds of critters and stuff out in the woods. So unless you know for sure that your dachshund will never, ever run off, you should always hike with them on a leash. So I bring an extra leash in case I happen to find a dog that's loose with no owner or the leash that I have breaks. So I bring an extra leash. Um, of course, my camera to take lots of cute pictures. <laughs> um, and that's really <laughs> it. Just stuff you'd bring for yourself. That's the most important things is just enough water, enough stuff for them. I do bring a small, just little flimsy, lightweight backpack, very small. Um, but I've had to use it in the past to carry one of my dogs out. I didn't bring it for the purpose of carrying them, but I happened to have it and was like, well, we're going to have to use this. And now I always carry it because even five pounds can get super heavy over like a mile, especially over uneven terrain. Yeah. So at least I can put them in the bag and, and kind of support it with my arm and stuff. But so, so just having a, a, a contingency plan and bringing whatever you need for that, you know, if there's an injury, first aid kit, you can get first aid kits um, that are for specifically for dogs, or you can get a first aid kit that um, I think Adventure Medical Kits has one that's people and dogs, or you can, I just get a person medical kit and I add specific dog things to it. But I'd always bring a little first, at least a small first aid kit in case. And you know what, I think that's really smart because I'm thinking back like a few years ago, um, for people who may be listening outside of the Pacific Northwest, um, when we had all those wildfires, mm-hmm. you know, there were people who were going out on like just a mile day trip. And, you know, you think that you don't need anything for those types of stuff. But they were stuck overnight. They got surrounded. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water. And I think people neglect to think about that kind of stuff is you may not yeah. make a mistake. It may not be you that puts you in that situation. Yeah, everything that you just said is so important. And just from the dog mom perspective, if you do get into any situation, whether it's a, you know a, an intense hike or if it's just a walk where you're walking miles, you know whatever it is, you don't want to ever get into a situation where you're in kind of an emergency and you're not prepared. The guilt I would feel if I didn't have enough water for Lupin or if I could not help him in that moment or something, the stress yeah. would hike up immensely. Yeah for the whole situation. Um, okay. Last question about the hiking before we talk more specifically about like the dogs and breed. Um, what are your favorite top three, top five ish hikes, trails, adventures well, that you've I been on live with in your dogs? Washington state, you know, Western Washington. And to me, there's, you know, I could never, I could never leave and be happy. There's so much beautiful here. One of my absolute favorite places is the Mount Baker area. A lot of the trails up at Mount Baker, um, which is essentially kind of north for people that don't know, northwest 
cornerish of Washington State. Um, I've also done some stuff in Oregon, but I really like the I really like the desert. So I really like going to Death Valley. I also like on the way to Death Valley stopping in um, like Mammoth, California, and Convict Lake. I really like that area; is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then when you get down to, to Death Valley, you can go like to the Alabama Hills and stuff. A lot of movies were filmed there, um, and you can see like. It's, it's outside of Death Valley, but you look towards Mount Whitney and stuff. It's just beautiful. And um, we've been to Colorado, though, too. We, I love Colorado. If I didn't live in Washington, I'd probably live in Colorado. And I just, there hasn't been a trail there I've been on that I didn't like, although I've only been on about a dozen. But Chester, my first dachshund, and Gretel both hiked a 14er, the, the, the tallest 14er in Colorado. Oh so That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, so it's beautiful. Well, the thing is, it does sound impressive and I'm not totally trying to downplay it because it's impressive, but because the altitude dogs tend to not be affected so much by the altitude. I almost didn't make it. I made my husband go to the top with the dogs because I, I didn't think I was going to make it a quarter mile from the top. Um, but it's funny because the trail we took was seven miles and it was about 5,000 feet of elevation gain, which is what our trails are around here too, except that you're starting at 500 feet above sea level going up to 5,000 in Colorado, you're starting at 10. You know, that's where you start to get Mm -hmm. altitude sickness. You're starting at 10 and then going another five. So that's what makes it the most challenging. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. It sounds like you've done so many really cool adventures. Not enough. I love that. (laughs) More adventure. Yes. You still got so much more. Um, Okay. So, I want to talk more about dachshunds specifically as a breed. And I know you said your first dachshund you inherited. So what what made you stick with them? What was it about breed or whatever that you were just like, this is my I dog think, for life. Like this I, is it. You know, I don't know. I think it's so he was my roommate got him as a puppy and we lived together for a few years and then we moved apart and I ended up taking him. But I did a lot of care of him, like helped her out when we were living together. And we adopted Gretel when he was already eight. So I was eight years into having a dachshund. So I was pretty sure that I was, Mm -hmm. I was hooked. But for me, the things about dachshunds are that they're capable of being like, they can keep up with the big dogs, any trail that a big dog can do, they can do too. And, Mm -hmm. but they're small. So like I said, in an emergency situation, they're easy to carry out they don't, they aren't as expensive for upkeep as a big dog. I mean, I do feed my dogs raw, which is pretty expensive. Um, but I have a friend with four large dogs that feeds them raw and our bills are completely different because my dogs eat the same amount as maybe one large dog at best, you know, traveling is so much easier. You can fly with them in, in the cabin under the seat. We've done that a few times with Gretel hotels you don't have to worry about weight limits uh or anything like that i just i just really like having a big adventure dog in a small package but dachshunds as a breed they can be really really stubborn they're super smart the the problem is they're they're too smart they can learn really really quick but what that means too is the one time out of 10 you don't enforce something you've trained them then they figured out that they don't always have to do what you ask. That one time it didn't work, and they'll remember that forever. forever. Uh. Long time. <laughs> yes, they'll unlearn really fast. You know, they'll they'll be like, "Oh, oh, you mean you don't actually have to do that thing?" Okay, I'd really rather not. Thanks. 
(laughs) (laughs) So you got to be careful with them, you know? I think that that's a great answer. You kind of covered a lot of the ins and outs of their breed. And as someone with a a big dog, I can definitely attest to the fact just because the dog's bigger does not mean that they're an adventure dog. And also that it comes with all those extra challenges, like throwing them in the car or traveling or food, you know, how much you're paying and stuff like that. I think also like with a bigger dog, there is a little bit more like when you first like adopt or when you first get a bigger dog, there's that moment in your life. Well, with any dog, Um, there's that moment in your life where they're not quite trained to the way that you want them to You're still getting to know each other. And with a big dog, like if you have just gotten like a hundred pound dog, you know, that is like a lot of responsibility because if that dog pulls you across the street to go and see another dog, like I know I wouldn't be able to hold myself back, but with a smaller dog, at least you can be like, okay, nope. I'm kind of glad you mentioned that because there's, it's a problem and also a benefit. So Mm. I'm going to be real honest. Like every, I think every dog should be trained. Mm -hmm. Every dog should be trained. People with small dogs tend to not train them. Yes. I think that's a huge issue. And a big reason is because if my dog's being a jerk, I just pick her up and walk the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved, right? I can it's easy to manage the situation versus correct the situation. Yeah. You I've I've observed people for years. If you watch like this one specific case always comes to mind. It was I think it was a poodle or something, a little like a toy poodle, but a guy was crossing the road with a bigger dog and the lady was going the other way with a little toy poodle. And when they got close, it started like you know, snapping and barking and lunging. And just on the surface, that's not appropriate behavior. Mm-mm. But not only did the person that owned the dog, like she's the one that looked a little bit more uncomfortable and was like, oh, sorry. But the guy with the big dog laughed, pointed at the little dog and laughed and was like, oh, ha, ha, that's so funny. He's trying to be big. Encouraging and reinforcing to that lady that she doesn't need to train her small dog to act yeah. appropriately around other dogs. Because people, Everyone, even people that own big dogs, laugh it off. Oh, it's cute. Oh, it's funny. They're trying to be big. They're doing, and it's, and my stance on that has changed over the years because early on, I didn't think it was a big deal, but I've been doing this for 10 years now. I've seen a lot of dachshunds. I've seen a lot of dog interactions. And definitely in the last, you know, five years or so, I've become a lot more passionate about the fact that going back to the stereotypes of small dogs, that small dogs need to be trained because if that guy's big dog had done that to that little dog, that lady probably would have been calling the cops. So it's a totally double standard with small dogs and big dogs. And I think it's unfair to the owners of big dogs that people with little dogs allow them to do that. And it's just something they deal with. So sorry. No, no, it's good. I I totally agree. So I have a, I have a Corgi myself. Um, He's a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> we're trying to work on it. His thing is when he's on a leash, he gets he gets very frustrated that like mm-hmm. he doesn't have any options. Like I've taken right. these options away from him. He mm-hmm. has to like go on this walk and he can't do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, and when that is in the form of another dog being on leash, like that just like almost mm-hmm. never ends well like we always have to walk the other way cross the Mm -hmm. street 
it's like a whole management thing. Right. Exactly. And I know that no matter what we do to train, like he's just pissed off that he has, he's on a leash. He's even, on a leash. Yeah. Like that's like, what do you do about that? Yeah. yeah he doesn't want to be on the leash. You take him off the leash and he's fine. Like he will play. I've heard, I've heard that too about people's dachshunds and stuff. Yeah. So. And it's a tough situation because mm-hmm. there's, like he has to be on a leash. Like, sorry, Arthur. Like, no, you're not going to get your way, and it sucks. Right. But yeah. that whole management it's, and them training, is the rules. yeah, that whole <laughs> management and training is so tough because it is. Yeah, it just takes so much time and so much effort, and mm-hmm. it's like a long period of time too. It's not something that's just going to go away overnight. It's something. That oh right. You have it's to work constant, on and yeah. work on, and you know, I've had Arthur for maybe like nearly two years. And it's mm-hmm. still something we're working on. And every time uh-huh. I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> it, it, so when I got Summit, like I said, she's the first one I have had as a puppy. And I thought, because I want to break this small dog par- stereotype about training, I want her to be a really well-trained dachshund. Like, I'm going to be on it. I'm starting fresh from brand new. I'm going to teach her all the things. And then I realized that part of it would make me want to do that is watching all the people on Instagram that have like border collies or something that have them well-trained and they can do all these tricks and things like that. Dachshunds are completely capable of that. Um, I, however, am not capable of that because (laughs) I don't have the patience or the interest to do that level of training with my dog. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I had to admit that to myself. Like (laughs) she's, she's better than more well-trained than my other two dachshunds which didn't really start out with me didn't start out fresh um but yes it's to do it right it's very involved takes a lot of time dachshunds because of the stubbornness and it's what it is is they were bred to think independently mm-hmm. they're bred down if you know to hunt badgers and go down holes and make decisions because they're alone about what do i do about this how do i protect myself how do i you know so that just translates into regular life for the very, very independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I do want to mention, you know, just you're saying for people who might be thinking of getting a dachshund or something. So, um, like I said, I've only owned dachshunds. So I, I think this might also be a small dog thing, but it is true that um, dachshunds are hard to potty train. They're difficult to potty train. It can take years to get reliable potty training. Um, but but a lot of it comes down to the consistency and the way you train. And and I, I see all the time, a big, big one for dachshunds is they're fine during the summer, potty training-wise, and then fall hits, and they take one look out the door, and they're like, yeah, no, it's cold. I'm not going out there. I'm going to go mm-hmm. crap in your room instead. <laughs> and then they get... <sighs> Dog, a lot of people will say, oh, well, he knows he wasn't supposed to do that. He's guilty because when I walk in the room, he cowers in the corner or looks at me guilty or whatever, you know, looks at me with sad eyes or something like that. And that'd be nice, but dogs aren't that complicated. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't have human emotions. They don't know guilt. What they know is that when poop is present and you are present, a lot of scary things happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so there's poop. There's you. I'm going to go hide from these scary things that are going to happen. They're not like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm not so crap in the corner, but, you know, I just didn't feel like <laughs> going outside. Like, it's not like that. But, but so that's another thing I have been successful with, with Summit. I, I um, trained her 
she is, she was 100% potty trained within like three months. But, but a lot of people expect that I see questions in docs and forums all the time. My dog's, my dog's 12 weeks old and still goes potty in the house or something. And, and I don't know if it's true for other breeds, but with dachshunds, it just takes more consistency and longer. And if they, um, I mean, I thought it could just be summit. She was an easy puppy, but I work from home. So it's way easier. You can, you're basically like hyper drive training because I can watch her every minute and see what she's doing and notice the sign she's going to go potty and take her out right away. And if there is an accident, clean it up calmly and then take the paper towels out to the corner where you want her to pee. And then the praise when she does it and have a little party, yay, you know, <laughs> and all that stuff. It's like, I could do that a lot more, but I guess my point is that it is true that they are difficult. They are challenged to potty train. Um, it's not impossible. Just don't give up hope. Exactly. It's not impossible. Yeah. It's just you have to be extra consistent and extra yeah. patient and know it's going to take a while. So, And I think people forget also, like, we are, just as dogs are, like, creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And the quicker you can set up that consistent routine, the easier it's going to be for sure. Like, I, I had difficulty potty training Arthur, and I think it was because, like, there was three of us in the house. We all had different work schedules. And he would just like go out whenever like someone was there. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the downfall that we had was it wasn't like 6am you go out and you do your business. You come in, have breakfast, and then you go out once more. You go to work, you come back, and that's when you do it again. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. So what other kind of stereotypes are true or not true, or maybe just someone who's interested in, in getting a dachshund or has one and maybe like, oh, I've heard about spine issues I've heard about you know this I've heard what other things have you kind of come across and what advice do you have so yeah as as far as health there except for a few things they're generally healthy and older dachshunds um there's a thing called Cushing's disease it's some kind of metabolic I think Mm -hmm. condition um that's common in older dachshunds but back problems are the ones that people always hear about and I'm very passionate about education around that. I'm not a veterinarian, but I've done a lot of research. My own dog has this problem, Gretel. She has um, back problems are, unless it's an acute injury, like they fell off of something, got hit by a car, got, you know, um, their back issues are always disc degeneration. And it can happen just from getting old, like with people. And that's, that's basically like age-related disc degeneration. But, but it's, 25% of dachshunds will have back problems before they get old. And that's due to a disease called intervertebral disc disease. And so everyone's super paranoid about the dachshunds jumping and doing stairs. And I get, I've been criticized, asked like, you're too active with your dachshunds. They're going to get injured with their backs, their backs, their backs. Gretel has IBDD. She had a back injury a few years ago. She's healed. She's back to hiking regular. Not all dachshunds are, are as fortunate, but 25% of dachshunds will have some back issues. And people, but people don't understand. The problem is there's no genetic test for it. So unless you know your dog has it, in which case you should be careful with jumping and stairs, um, there isn't any compelling reason to be comfortable or be um, cautious However, you don't know they have it. So if a dog has the disease and they do a lot of jumping, they can develop a back injury. If they don't have the disease and they do a lot of jumping, 
unless it's an acute injury, they're probably not going to develop it. Chester never had it. And he, before I knew better, he jumped off of all kinds of crazy tall things and stuff. And, and, um, never ever had an issue, ran with me seven miles, never had any issues, you know, Gretel, like I said, she's got the disease. So, so that is something that's the biggest health concern with dachshunds is back issues because a lot of them end up, I always hear, I don't know what happened. They were fine one minute and the next minute, like they literally from getting out of bed or something can, their disc Mm -hmm. can explode and, and some of them need surgery. And if it's not surgery, it's treatment. We didn't, she didn't need surgery. It was too mild, but we did a lot of what they call conservative treatment and rehab. And Mm -hmm. whether you do the surgery or you go that route, you're looking at four to $10,000 per injury. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is a big deal. It's something people really need to know about. Um, personally, it doesn't keep me from owning the breed. It is a little bit of roulette, but but some breeds, I mean, some breeds are almost 100% they're going to have hip dysplasia at some point, you know. So every yeah. breed has their risk. Um, otherwise, they're pretty healthy. I'm always torn with, as I've learned more over the years, like the whole stubborn thing, because the tornness is... Do I use the common description, like the average, the layman's term for something? Oh, the docs and stubborn, like I explained mm-hmm. earlier. Are they stubborn? Stubborn, a dog trainer would argue with you and kind of blast you for saying they're stubborn because stubborn is a human term. Stub- mm-hmm. Stubborn indicates they have an intention to defy you and they don't. Um, and so it's it's not really that they're stubborn. It's that they take consistency. You have to have clear communication like with any dog. And you have to find, you know, the reward that's worth it to them. And in my experience, it is true that dachshunds, um, you need to get a higher reward sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so. so spinning off that, this is my last question. Um, what are the top three tips or advice or anything that you have for docs in life, whether someone's thinking about getting one or they already have one, what's like the main, if I can tell you anything, these are, these are it. Pills of wisdom. Yeah. The number one thing is that just because you hear docs are stubborn, don't just like, don't think, oh, they're not trainable. That's not what that means, you know? And so consistency and do make an effort and do train them at least functionally as I, like I said, as I call it, you know, at least somewhat train them. Um, the other thing would be, um, you know, when I inherited my first dachshund, this was before the internet was like, I mean, the internet existed obviously, but it wasn't, Google wasn't like a word that, like a verb that people just throw around, you know, and stuff. And now there's so much information online, including my blogs, but I mean, just online in general, that that there's really no reason to not totally understand. You need to understand the breed of dog you're getting. So do a couple hours of research. Um, The biggest thing is you're going to find, like I said, are about the potty training. It's true. It's fixable. It's, you can potty train them you know, consistency and schedule is better. Um, the back issues, uh, get, get pet health insurance and, or put $10,000 away. The thing about, um, the insurance 
Like I wasn't able to save $10,000. That was my original strategy, but I'm not that good with money. But the thing is, if you save the $10,000 and need the surgery and you paid the $10,000, that $10,000 is just gone. With pet health insurance, sometimes you still have to pay up front. Like I would have to pay $10,000, but I get 80 to 90% of that back. So, so getting back 7,000 on a $10,000 bill is way better than getting zero back on a $10,000 bill. So I am still a big proponent of the dog health insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Realize that back injury and problems is a real thing and be prepared. Cause I hear so many people, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to criticize anybody because people don't, you just, sometimes you just don't know. And sometimes you're in a financial situation where you have no choice but to start a GoFundMe or something. But so many people I hear, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden my dachshund was fine and then he couldn't walk and I don't know what's going on. It's clear by what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They had no idea that this was even a thing. And there's no reason if they had done any research, that's one of the number one things that comes up about the breed. So there's no reason they, they should not know, like they should know. So to do the research and have like with hiking, be prepared you know, cause this might not happen. It could happen, but it's going to be expensive if it happens. And, um, you know, again, I, people's circumstances, but I've seen a lot of cases where people have to surrender them to rescues because the way, at least it works in Washington state, a rescue can't pay for the surgery for you and let you keep the dog. You have to give up rights to the dog. So, so yes, there are avenues to get them some help, but you're going to have to part with your loved one if that happens. So, um, I'm really important about, about that. Um, those are really, really good tips. I think that's really important because it does cover, you know, some of the stereotypes about dachshunds, but there's also, you know, it's, it's acknowledging them, but also saying there is a route around them as long as you're prepared for it, as long as you're consistent with training and, you know, understand how to get around those obstacles, then they're great dogs. Do you have any last questions, Izzy? Uh, no, I think I've uh, asked all of my questions here and then some. <laughs> well, in that case, Jessica, if you can tell the listeners if they want to learn more about you, read the blog, where can they find you? So my primary blog, the one I started almost 10 years ago, is called You Did What With Your Wiener. I love it. So yeah, just <laughs> you did what with your wiener.com. And just really quick, the reason that name is because I was hiking and camping with Chester and we'd tell our friends and show pictures and, and they're always like, wait, what? You did what with your, you took your dogs and where you did what? So it just, the name popped in my head in one second on a trail while we were hiking, but that's wise because it just totally made sense. Um, it makes people laugh. So that's good too. So that's hiking, camping, traveling, some health related stuff, but, but mostly how it relates to keeping your dog healthy enough to hike. And then my other blog I just started last year is called For My Dachshund. And that one's um, kind of a, a Q&A type blog. It's most commonly asked questions answered about dachshunds. So it covers breed traits, personality, training. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Okay. So nice meeting you. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye, Jessica. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist. 